This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How what a great are you? Day. Did you have a, a nice Memorial we Day weekend? We uh, had family together. We went to the cemeteries. We had a barbecue last night, and just it was a it was a nice weekend. Sounds almost comparable to what we did. Yeah, just a nice weekend. You know, the weekend was nice for the barbecues and the family gatherings and everything, but it takes uh, a little time to remember and really remember the real meaning. Of Memorial Day, and I understand exactly. that you have something you'd like to share with us. I do. You know, uh, last year I was reading a uh, a book by uh, about Ernie Pyle, who was a World War II war correspondent. Yes, yes. And Ernie Pyle was one of the most well-read and respected war correspondents in World War II. And uh, after I read the account that he gave of the death of a, a guy by the name of Captain Waskow, and when they these fellows would die, they would lay them next to this stone wall. And so I just kind of had this come to me, so I'd like to do this. And, and this is dedicated to all those in all the wars that have served, that preserved, preserved our freedom. Right. So it's called the Stone Wall. The men arose, prepared for the day, a day like so many others, rifles, helmets, and all the gear, a bond like so many brothers. Orders came down the line, orders for soldiers to obey, wondering what the day would bring, home folks praying day after day. From a ship, a bomber, in a tank, or those with boots on the ground, they are the greatest generation, no braver men to be found. They volunteered, willing to serve with mud, blood, courage, and fear, forever hoping war would end, never knowing if death was near. Captain Waskow's body lay quiet and still in the shadow of the stone wall. A true leader loved by his men, why did this man have to fall? His men gazed at the lifeless form, questions, no answers, but why? Willing to fight for family and country, and yes, even willing to die. Peace would come in the end, the cost so many gave their all. Let's remember those who didn't return those neath the shadow of the stone wall. Wow. Wow, what can you say? And I'm, I'm just going to leave that with oh, you. Oh, can Zeb. I have? I appreciate and, that. And, uh, I really you do know, appreciate it's just, that. Uh, I'm just, I just hope that, uh, you know, in a lot of countries around the world, there are people who fought for a cause. And uh, I think we need to 
acknowledge the bravery throughout the world, really. The bravery and the commitment and the families that were involved exactly. in that bravery and commitment. It wasn't just the soldier. Right. It was the families it also. Was. It was. That was nice. Thank you very you much. So uh, now we're going to head right into a story. Now, I'm, I'm a little hesitant because I had a couple of calls after last week's program. No food. Are you gonna, no, 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 food, food no food today. No food today. In fact, I'm going to step out on a limb here a little bit and say I'm going to bet nobody has heard of this person. Okay, go right? ahead. But I'll be, you know, if somebody has, let me know. Okay, this, the story is called <coughs> Florida's Pocahontas. Wait a minute. Florida's, Florida's Pocahontas. Pocahontas. And you'll see as we go along. Okay. So it was on or about August 27th, 1818, and Florida at that time was hot and humid. and uh, Some things never change. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a group of 188 kind of bedraggled Indians, mostly women and children, starving. They shuffled silently into Fort Gadsden near the mouth of the Apalachicu... <laughs> And, uh, you want to try that one again? In the mouth of the Apalachicola River. And I don't know if that's even close. Why don't you just call it a river? The river, that's okay. okay. Anyway, this is on Florida's Gulf Coast. Uh, they surrendered themselves to the fort's commander, a Colonel Matthew Arbuckle. Among them were the recent widow and two daughters of a guy by the name of the Prophet Francis. And I'll explain that. The younger daughter, 15-year-old Millie, or Malie, as, they, as she was known, uh, was a strikingly beautiful and was well known to the whites for having saved the life of one of their sh- soldiers. Okay? Now, nearly overwhelmed by their numbers and their sorry condition, uh, Colonel Arbu- Arbuckle did all in his power to tend to their immediate needs, providing food, water, medicine, a place for them to rest. He also sent word to the soldier that Melly, Melly had saved, and his name was Private Duncan McCrimmon, who had been returned to his home in Georgia. Now, while Millie, and I'm a, I'm a, I, they, the Americans, would, we would call her Millie, but her Indian name was Mali, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to use. Okay. So just a young girl. But anyway, while Malia and the group rested, regaining their strength, the young soldier made his way to Fort Gadsden, carrying donations from citizens who were eager to show their appreciation for Malia's efforts on McCrimmon's behalf. Remembering how he, she had interceded for him at the risk of her own life, Private McCrimmon uh, presented her with the gifts and, uh, and actually asked her to be his wife. Now, Malie gratefully accepted the donations, which she shared with the other Indians, but she gracefully declined the offer of marriage, and she basically said, you know, I didn't save you for that. I didn't save you so that you would marry me. And uh, anyway, Colonel Arbuckle reported that Malie said she saved McCrimmon's life basically from feelings of humanity alone, and that she would have rendered the same service to any other white man under the same circumstances. And she was therefore not really disposed uh, or interested in in marriage. Mm -hmm. Now, already in her young life, she'd been witness to a lot of pretty pretty cruel acts on both sides of, you know, the whites and the Indians. So she was not naive. She she knew what happened. By the way, how old was she at She was about point? 15, 15 right now. Yeah. So, but she was wow. born in 1803, the youngest daughter of a guy uh, known in English as the Prophet Francis, 
or Josiah Francis. So I'm going to call him Chief Francis uh, for the sake of the story. And that's her father. And he was a prominent Creek chief who was the offspring of an English man and a Creek woman. Oh. Okay. Now, Malie's mother was the only family member who did not speak in English. Uh, She was Indian, as I mentioned. Since most Indian girls received little education except from their mothers, uh, Chief Francis must have taken it upon himself to instruct his children in English. So she learned English as well as the the Indian language. I see. Now, confusion kind of abounded among whites with regard to Indian names. Girls usually kept the same name they were given at birth, but not so with the boys. Now, at birth, a boy was given his baby name, such as uh, like Little Cub or whatever, and then another name when he reached warrior age and completed a dangerous deed, and sometimes actually a third name after he completed something, uh, a daring act during battle or something like that. So the the boys had at least two and sometimes three names. I didn't know that. So, hmm. But uh, as I said, further... My dad had a lot of names for me. I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, further, as the males achieved other goals, actually still more names could be added. Now, as I mentioned, her chief, uh, her father was Chief Francis, and he was a medicine man, and the whites frequently called him called him the prophet. So that's where they come in with the prophet or yeah. Chief jo- Chief yeah. Francis. But uh, as I said, warriors often had second names, uh, and the, the white men kind of muddled things even further by phonetically writing Indians' names, which they heard through the white man's language. So Malie became Millie. Millie. Yeah, Yeah. because that's more more what you would hear. So here we are, the early 1800s, Spain, Britain, and America battled each other and the Indians for control of Florida. Now, while the outbreak of the War of 1812, her father, Chief Francis, who then lived with his family near the Chattahoochee River in what is now Alabama, was enlisted by a friend to join the English. So he joined the British cause. So he was known to have been fighting against the United States. Right, yeah. Uh, So he was enlisted by a friend to join the English. Uh, He was known to have assisted the British against Andrew Jackson and the Americans. Wow. but, you know, at that stage, what do you do? Which side do you really go with? You know, that, that'd be hard to know. So in 1813, 1814, uh, Chief Francis took his family south, establishing a new Seminole village in Spanish Florida, south of Tallahassee, near Fort St. Mark's. And I'm not familiar with that place. I think I know vaguely where you mean. Okay. Yeah. So now it's 1816. Uh, okay. Chief Francis, uh, accompanied by a British officer, embarked on a trip to England, where in recognition of his assistant, he was received with great ceremony by uh, Prince Regent George IV. He was commissioned, actually, a brigadier general. Okay, now here's an Indian chief. Commissioned a brigadier general in the British Army. Okay, now this is after eight, the War of 1812. Right. Yeah, this is 1816. And his allegiance was still, still with, with the, the British. British. Yeah, yeah. And he, he actually got an elaborate uniform of red and gold. They gave him 325 British pounds, which was a lot of money, and a tomahawk mounted in gold. They had a big, huge dance in his honor uh, aboard a, a Russian uh, ship anchored nearby. Uh, Trumpets heralded his arrival, according to London newspapers. But uh, interestingly enough, Francis, Chief Francis, never really tried to help England after that. And I don't know if he just kind of had a change of heart after being there. But when he came home, he But he did sail back to this country. Right, yeah. He sailed home, determined to live in peace with the white men. 
So he, he, like I say, he helped the British, but then he kind of said, you know, okay, we're, we're done with that. Yeah. Well, upon her father's return from England in June of, now we're 1817, Malie received many presents of dresses and shoes and bonnets that he brought back from England. Now, at that time, hostilities were kind of escalating among the Americans, the Spaniards, the British, and the Indians, resulting in another invasion by Andrew Jackson's army in 1818. Now, entering Florida near the mouth of the Chattahoochee River, Jackson uh, continued to a place called Fort Gadsden. Now, while his army was at rest, this private Duncan uh, McCrimmon, okay, he's the guy, and you'll, you'll see what I'm going to say here. He was attached to General Jackson's army. He went fishing early one morning. He got confused trying to get back to his camp and was lost for several days. He was wandering about trying to find his way home when he was spotted by a party of unfriendly Indians. They overpowered him, took him to the town of uh, where Chief uh, Francis was, Malia's father. Okay, so have you got the picture here? Kind of. Okay. Now, these are Seminole Indians, right? Yeah, okay. and uh, so the, they captured this uh, private McCrimmon, took him to the camp where right. Malia's father was chief. Right. Now, Francis actually appeared in a splendid uniform. His, this nice British uniform that okay. he had on. All right. And he had some pistols in his belt. Uh, he displayed his British commission to the prisoner. He then allowed the captors to interrogate McCrimmon, uh, who eventually gave them the information they wanted regarding the strength and location of the American forces. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. Ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. So they were still kind of not really for the Americans yet. They were still kind of siding with the British. Well, that done, they decided that it was time to sacrifice McCrimmon. So McCrimmon was stripped and his face was blackened with soot before he was tied to a stake. Uh, war cries commenced, uh, which, of course, scared the heck out of this young man. Oh, no, wait, 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 scared the heck out of. No, I think it goes deeper than that. <laughs> well, he was, he was terrified. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, Malie and her sister, they were playing on the riverbank near their home and immediately understood the significance of what they heard, and they hurried in the direction of the sounds. Now, seeing the terrified young man, uh, who was really not much older than Malie was, so he's probably only 18, 19 maybe, and she was about 15 or 16, so they stopped, and they saw that he was tied to a tree, helpless, while two, two warriors danced around him with rifles, ready to shoot, and everybody was kind of looking on and just watching what was happening. Well, Malie... She was kind of overcome with sadness, and she remained silent for a little while, and she didn't feel like she could participate in the excitement or the merriment that, that was going on. Merriment? Yeah. I mean, this was an enemy. Okay. 
So anyway, it was their right, the guys who had captured him, she knew, for it was accepted that if an Indian caught a white person, he had that life in his power and could not be interfered with, not even by the chief. Now, seeing the terror on the young prisoner's face, Malie went to her father, the chief, begging him, saying, you know, can't you do something? Uh, but And she knew that he was helpless. He couldn't do anything to help. And she, he says, well, you just go talk to the captors. Go talk to the guys that uh, it's their right to kill him. So she went back to the warriors, and she begged them to stop, saying... They're dancing all this time? Yeah. And so she went to them, saying, you know, he's just a boy... One of the warriors became so mad, telling her that he had actually lost two sisters in the war with the white men. So he was pretty much wanted to kill this yeah. the, the guy. So anyway, she was unwilling to give up, and she kept on pleading and reminding that killing the prisoner wouldn't bring his sisters back, and the warriors were still unmoved. They were still bent on killing McCrimmon. Well, when all seemed lost, the captors were ready to terminate forever the mortal existence of the unfortunate McCrimmon. Malie placed herself between the captive and death, telling to the astonished executioners if he thirsted for blood so bad to kill her. Now that goes right back to Pocahontas, remember, and yeah. and uh, Smith. Well, Malie didn't graduate at the top of her class. Well, she like. was a very compassionate woman. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, anyway, the two warriors finally relented, and they are you kidding you know, me? They agreed to let McCrimmon live if if. He would consent to have his head shaved and not try to escape. Well, what's the head shaving? I just that. Well, I don't know. Shave his head. So is it an embarrassment? No, no. I think it was so that he would be part of the tribe. So without hesitation, obviously McCrimmon agreed. His head was shaved except for a little scalp lock. So I assume that was just a little part on top. And yeah, well, they, it, yeah. the Indians. I'm trying to think of the tribe. It wasn't the Iroquois. Yeah, it was the Iroquois. They used to have that little top notch. Yeah. And so they, he had this little scalp lock. They adorned it with feathers. They painted him, dressed him in their style, and they considered him now adopted into the tribe. So he didn't go back to the army. Well, wait. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Uh. Okay. Malie showed McCrimmon kindness for the next several days before he was actually taken away to Fort St. Mark's, where there was a ransom negotiated. And he didn't try to escape, but he was ransomed uh, for seven and a half gallons of rum and per- permitted to rejoin the army. So, so for seven and a half gallons of rum, this guy was set free. He was set free. Yeah. Did he cut off the top notch? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> so, anyway, so President Jackson's army. Okay, now he's an American. All right. So here we are. There were two schooners, two ships that were sent to act as reinforcement for the Americans. They made their way up the Appalachian River, where they anchored, and this okay two. American ships flying British flags. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. They were doing that to conceal their identity. All right. Now, stay with me here. I am. The newly freed McCrimmon knew they were American, not British. But uh, he rode out and actually got on the ship. Now, since British flags were flying, Chief Francis thought, okay, these are British. These are my friends. He and another chief rode out to visit what they thought was a friendly ship. The captain welcomed them on board, invited them to his cabin for something to eat. As they followed him, several Americans emerged from hiding, rushed towards the two chiefs, and captured them. All right? So now here's chief, two chiefs, Malie's father, on the, uh, an American ship that he thought was British. The plot thickens. It does. Now, 
when McCrimmon appeared, uh, Chief Francis reminded him of how his life had been spared such a short time before by his daughter. Yeah. And McCrimmon said, you didn't save my life. Your daughter did. I don't owe you anything. Hmm. So that's not sitting too well. All right. So that afternoon, Malie actually was seen paddling around the ship, apparently trying to find her father. Suddenly, shots fired from the ship. She grabbed a rifle. Uh, she hid in the bottom of the canoe and returned fire, and then she went back to shore. So she knew something was not good. Well, yeah, when somebody's shooting yeah. at you. So anyway, McCrimmon's efforts to saving the lives of the two chiefs uh, was fruitless. Andrew Jackson arrived the next morning, received a report of what was going on. So now Chief Francis was in Jackson's power, still wearing this British uh, uniform that he had. Uh, okay, but now the chief thought they were on British ships. When did they take down the British flags and let everybody well, know? Well, as soon as they got on, oh. they let him know, hey, you're, you're our prisoners now. You are confusing. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep this straight. <laughs> okay, so, uh, and unfortunately at this point, they hung both chiefs. I see. Chief uh, uh, Malie's father, Chief Francis, right. and the other chief. Okay. Well... So things were not good now between anybody. I know we're about out of time. So a I'm little testy, yeah. I know. Anyway, after Chief Francis' death, conditions in the village continued to decline. Shortly after the mass surrender at Fort Gadsden, his family joined other Seminoles on a long journey out to Oklahoma Territory for resettlement. Years passed during which there was no recorded account of Malie's exact whereabouts. We only know that she survived the journey to get out from Florida to Oklahoma, which, as we know, they were always given the worst ground, yeah. you know. But on their way to uh, Oklahoma Territory, Malie's tribe had to compete with other tribes for resources, Indian agents hired by the government. You know, they didn't treat them right. Uh, actually, they got to the point where President John Taylor sent a guy by the name of Hitchcock, a colonel, to see what was going on. And as he got out there and he saw that things were not good for the Indians, he on their behalf, started getting food, clothing, and taking care of them the way they had been promised. So he actually did help them. Well, uh, as things went on, Malie actually finally uh, came to the end of her life. She died in 1848. And, uh, you know, again... She died a young woman. She did. Um, You know, she was about 45, 45 right right in there. But... Uh, she didn't recover. She died. And so Florida's Pocahontas died in 1848 and was buried somewhere, uh, they say, between the city of Muskegee and the banks of the Arkansas River. And actually, the government had actually, as I said, tried to help. They actually promised her a pension and a medal, but she died without ever getting any of the pension that they had promised. Whatever happened to the soldier that went on a fishing trip that bought got him shot? That's a good question. Yeah. He no longer shows up in the story really no more well you know i mean your potential father-in-law you stood by and let him get hung yeah you know so there's uh there's things that need to be said there but i don't think i'm gonna say so wow malie was a brave young woman who who dared to challenge warriors and the chief to save a young man's life and it wasn't because who he was and there was was no reciprocity later no yeah but, like I say, she did what she needed to do. She ended up out in Oklahoma uh, on a reservation that was nowhere near as How nice. much do you trust the documentation on these kinds of stories? You know, I, to me, when I can get a journal, a diary, or well, something like yeah. that, that is the most reliable. So this is a book that I, I, I 
hope is accurate, and I, I believe that it is. I mean, they have footnotes of yeah. where they got the information. Yeah. So I try to keep these stories as historically accurate as possible. Mm. So, but again, we're looking at one author's version of this whole story. Wow. So, so she was the seminal Indian Pocahontas. Yes, I see. Yeah, Florida's Pocahontas. Absolutely. Yep. Doctor History, thank you. You bet. Excellent job this morning, and that poem you did was phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. And I know uh, we got about thirty seconds left here. That uh, you always being so organized, you have everything all set up for next week's program. I do. It's sitting in at home in my uh, library. Just waiting to be opened. (laughs) (laughs) That's a (laughs) cop-out. Just waiting to see. Uh, No, very interesting. And uh, can you give us a clue as to what you're... You're not going to go into more food, are you? No, we're done with that for a while. Believe me, we're done with the food for a while. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. But uh, very interesting. Thank you. Well, again, this is a time to remember things of the past. Absolutely. uh, the, The people that served. And I don't think there's... I'm going to bet there's a, a lot of families living right now that have uncles, grandparents, great uncles, aunts that were involved. A lot of stories. Yes. A lot of stories. Yes. Dr. History, Dr. Ken Turner, one of my dearest friends, thank you so much, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Okay. Thank you.